The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the off-day debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and with me, as always, on this beautiful Tuesday from Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowton. What's up, BLG? Stats, we're entering week 13. I can never believe the NFL season is, like, where it is ever. Like, it just it's happened so fast. It feels like it was just <laughs> September. Uh, it really flies by. I'm drinking my Wawa coffee because I'm running on fuse, fumes, not fuse. That'd be really bad. Um, so that's what's going on in my world stats. What about you? How are you doing? I'm doing great. I also have a giant amount of coffee with me. I mean, look, it's we record this in the morning on Tuesdays. I cannot function until I have the caffeine. You might as well just give it to me in an IV form. I need it right into my veins. Before we get going here, I want to remind you that dra- – that, uh, the off-day debrief is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. If you're new to the show, this is where we restate the state of the league. We offer the only 100% accurate power rankings. That is, Those are put together by BLG. They are up on BleedingGreenNation.com every week. You can definitely go and check those out, and you should because they are awesome. We also have our MVP and LVP points of the week. But before we get to all of that, BLG, we remind you, rate, review, and follow the SP Nation NFL show. Let's start with the Monday night football game because something stinks in Seattle. And it's Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson they are not simpatico. The Seahawks lose 17-15. to Russell Wilson was pretty terrible for pretty much the entire game, save for the final drive. And here's what I don't like. After every game, there just seems to be this sort of sniping between the two. And afterwards, Pete Carroll said, quote, the film don't lie. He missed some stuff. And it's like when things are going good, I just don't know that that's something your head coach says about your quarterback after a close loss. You love saying something stinks in Seattle. Stats. You keep saying this. You're saying you need to come up with a new phrase. It's, you're not wrong. but uh, It still smells. What do you want? <laughs> Everything does seem awry. Um, I, like It feels weird uh, because there's you know still multiple weeks left in the season. And it feels weird going into a game where Russell Wilson is the quarterback, and you're like, well, the Seahawks aren't going to win because they're bad right now. But (laughs) that's where they are. Um, I I just don't know what this team has going for them in a positive way. It's very clear, as you talked about with Kate on Monday Football Monday. I think both of you guys did a good job filling in, by the way. Um, Some some would say, you know, better than the original Monday Football Monday. (laughs) I'm not saying that. Some would say that. Uh, Many are saying. (laughs) Many are saying. Uh, But, yeah, I, I think it's just very clear, and we talked about this last week, too, that the, the era is over. It was a great era of Seattle Seahawks football, and it's come to an end. Russell Wilson, man, like he can't be healthy, right? Like I know you said you've been being like he wasn't that good earlier in the season. I don't know. Like He had 10 touchdowns and one interception in his first four games. Maybe he wasn't like, you know, vintage prime, obviously, Russell Wilson, but I don't think he's just like bad. Is it, do you think this is who Russ is now? Like He's just bad now and he's going to be bad for the rest of his career? 
I think Russ has one foot out the door, and I think he has since last offseason. Like, when you release a list of teams that you're willing to go to, and you openly rip your offensive line, like, how can you then go back into that locker room and be all in and ready to go? I just... I don't know why, because, you know, he's Mr. Unlimited and he loves to talk about how he rehabs for 28 hours a day to get back from the finger injury, but it just it doesn't seem the same. There was a play last night on that final drive where he drops back and he rolls out to his right, and the defense is coming at him. And I think, in my head, having watched Russell Wilson twice a year every year since 2012, I'm like, okay, here's where the rush show starts. He's going to pirouette and go back and go across the field. And he just stands there and gets sacked. And I was like, what? Now, the only thing I could think is that maybe he was just trying to save the time. I don't know. But it just it didn't look like the normal Russell Wilson. And his legs aren't hurt. And so that just it really surprised me. And maybe he's breaking down after taking so many hits and he's in his 30s. I, I still like don't fully believe that. I feel like get him a change of scenery, um, get him to a place where he wants to be instead of having a foot out the door and motivated. And and I think he gets back to being, you know, more like the Russell Wilson uh, that we've seen for most of his career. I I still believe that. Obviously, maybe I'm biased because I've always been a big Russell Wilson believer and fan, uh, quite honestly. But yeah, it's really bad right now. The accuracy just isn't there. I have to imagine he's just not fully healthy. Like he just can't be again, unless he's just this is who he is now. But I have a hard time accepting that. Um, I also wonder stats, and it kind of makes me worry, uh, especially for him at a new stop. Does Russell Wilson have big loser energy? Does he have BLE? And this is what I mean by that. (laughs) Obviously, like, incredible talent, but... I don't know. Like, there's been a lot of weird stuff in terms of you know teammates over the years not being in this corner, and like obviously this Seattle stuff is coming to a weird end. So I kind of like wonder about that, and that kind of makes me a little bit nervous. In addition to potentially breaking down, as you know, I kind of consider this from an Eagles perspective, who you know in theory could potentially trade for him or other teams mm-hmm. out there. Obviously worth you know thinking about. Maybe the Giants. Uh, who knows? But uh, but yeah. So it's it's concerning. It's weird too because. You know, if you're in Seattle, not exactly the best thing Like to be, you know, obviously I think they're still going to get a good return for him if slash when they trade for him because it's Russell Wilson, but like he's not helping his value out right now. He's not, to be honest with you. Um, I think his big issue, he's not authentic, right? He comes mm. across as very fake. He's admitted that he's practiced press conferences <laughs> since he was a kid, which is and huddles. a weird, weird thing to say. Like. He just does not come across as someone who's just real and honest with people and that you can't do that and also lead people like they are not going to follow you. They're going to see through that. Just the whole ending every interview with go hog. It's just it's just very forced. It really. Yeah, forced. Exactly. And so I think that's part of the big loser energy because, I mean. The dude wins games. He and Pete Carroll, I think, have like the second most wins together other than Belichick and Brady. So even though he might have the big loser energy, he usually ends up a winner. But obviously they didn't on Monday night. Uh, You know, we should give a little love to Washington here because they are the seventh seed in the NFC right now. I just have to say, though. I know that Ron Rivera's Riverboat Ron and I know that the kicker was hurt. But when you have a fourth and goal at the three yard line and you can kick a ball to make it a two score game with basically two minutes to go. I don't care if your kicker is hurt. You kick the field goal. You kick it, man. It's 20 yards. You're telling me the punter can't get a 20 yard kick up and over the, like, I find that incredibly hard to believe. I thought it was so stupid to go for it on fourth down last night. Uh, and I just, I thought it was a terrible decision by Ron Rivera and it almost cost them the game. Well, they showed the stat during the game of uh, like Tress Way, the Washington's punter. It's a good punter, by the way. Um, like his his college kicking stats, he was like what one for six from field goal range. And I love this. Good job by the production team. Uh, and also, yeah. I think he was like eleven and eleven on extra points. So he has shown that he can do extra points in the past. Uh, you know, maybe a really short field goal. Um, Washington, on the whole, though, I mean, look, they're I don't say surging. I think that's a little much, but they're <laughs> but they're doing better. And I think the defense has kind of stabilized a bit here, which makes sense because it never made sense that they were as bad as they were on defense right. earlier in the year. Like that just didn't – I couldn't reconcile that. That was one of the biggest, like most head-scratching things about the entire NFL season is Washington's defense just suddenly going from like elite to like one of the, if not the worst defense. So that's stabilizing a little bit. You know, Taylor Heineke 
because I don't think he's a guy you want to build around, but he's kind of fun sometimes, and you can win with him. I think he's showing that, not winning because of him, but with him. Um, so Washington has something cooking for them right now. Uh, they're second in the NFC East. I don't think they're going to win that division, obviously. Um, but, you know, and they're, and they're currently seventh in, in a wide open, kind of on the back end, NFC playoff picture. So, uh, and, and they have some games here down the stretch. Like, they still play um, the Giants. You know, they still play the Eagles twice. So, you know, they have an opportunity to make a run at this. As we get later in the season, you start you sort of start to see teams kind of separate a little bit. We know who the really good teams are. We know who the the teams are that don't necessarily have a great record, but they play hard, which is exactly what I think Washington is. And then you have the teams that just they're crap. You can step on them early, and they just totally mail it in. The Lions of the world, the Texans, teams like that. Washington is not. They might not have the record, but they are going to play tough, and they can beat you on any given week, and I think that's a credit to Ron Rivera. I think that's exactly the kind of coach he is. I don't think he's you know, one of the best coaches in the league. He's just a professional adult coach who's going to make you bring it every single week. I agree with you on Taylor Heineke. Like, No, he's not. He's a good, good backup to have for sure, but he's not the guy you're going to build around. Uh, if you had to bet a significant amount of money that mattered to you right now, does Washington make the playoffs? Hmm. I think it's tough just because, you know, I did say they have some winnable games, but um, looking at their, their schedule the rest of the way, it's actually the 12th toughest schedule because they still have to play the Cowboys twice. Um, not great. You have to play the Raiders. I think in Vegas is their next game. Uh, you know, the Raiders who just beat the Cowboys. So I wouldn't say it's a lock. Um, they have a chance. They have a chance. I would say I would lean towards they're not going to do it. Um, but to be able to be in a position where they have meaningful December football after where they were earlier in the year is is like something for them. Yeah, I mean, when Chase Young goes down, you're thinking like, well, their defense certainly is not going to look better than it's looked. And they they did. They got after it last night, at least for sure. Credit to Washington. Credit to Ron Rivera. We'll see how that shakes out. All One right, last thing, take a break. stats on Monday Night Football. Oh, okay. Because I had to shoehorn this joke in. Some would say, <laughs> did I say this already? I can't remember if I said this on the podcast. It's been a lot of podcasting, a lot of bad jokes by me. But uh, some would say the Seattle Seahawks are the original Washington football team. Uh, <laughs> it's true. I'm certainly glad that you slammed the brakes on the show to get that in. Shoehorned it in. Forget shoehorn. Try crowbar. It was worth it. You're so proud of yourself. I can see the smile on your face. You are so you're like a a 45-year-old dad who just told his like first joke to his kid. You love it. I tweeted this out and this only has like six retweets. It's not enough. This is a good <laughs> tweet, stats. This is really funny. Thank you everyone. What so that's it. You weren't satisfied. You thought the joke should have played more. So you thought, let me bring it up on the show so I get the credit I deserve. That's how comedy works. You just you wouldn't know about it because you're not as funny as I am. Right. Oh, God. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get into the week 13 power rankings plus our MVPs and LVPs of the week. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L. V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Off Day Debrief. All right, BLG, you have been in the lab. You have been working, tinkering, formulating, and now you have the Week 13 Power Rankings. They are up on BleedingGreenNation.com. You should definitely go and check those out. I will read the top 10, and then we can get into it. Number one, the Arizona Cardinals. They were on a bye, so that's not surprising. Green Bay Packers at number two. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at three. Patriots four. 
Kansas City Chiefs at number five, Tennessee Titans at six, the Ravens go to seven, the Rams at eight, the Cowboys nine, and the Bills at ten. Who is the most difficult team to place in the top ten? Hmm. Well, I did give the New England Patriots stats a big bump all the way from nine to number four now. Um, they have six wins in a row. They have the league's best point differential. Everyone's like, including yourself, oh, Bill Belichick, you know, actually is good and everything. Uh, well, I mean, come on. People act like last year he forgot how to coach. Like, he's still really good. So I think it's interesting. Going back to the conversations we've had in the offseason where I was pretty skeptical about the Patriots now at the time. This was like right after the free agency moves and Cam was still their starter. And I feel pretty justified being like skeptical of that team if Cam, if they did not draft Mac Jones and Cam was still the guy instead because Cam yeah. has been really bad. And there was a reason he was out of the league until the Panthers re-signed him out of desperation. That's a different story. Um, so obviously, I think the Pats are rolling. They deserve a lot of credit for that. Again, six wins in a row. I do think a little too much is being made of the hot streak. Like, like who have they taken down in this stretch? That is, like, really good. I know they just beat the Titans, but that Tennessee team is, like, decimated. Not only are they dealing with injuries, and I think this is an important distinction to make. Like, every team is dealing with injuries in the NFL. But True. there's something uh, that I think that football outsiders often refers to as, like, clustering. And, like, that's, like, multiple injuries at the same position. Like, that's bad luck in the NFL. Bad luck isn't dealing with injuries. Every team has to deal with injuries. But bad luck is, like, getting really killed at certain positions. And when you're missing, like, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones and then, like, your other star player and, like, Derrick Henry, like, that's that's just really tough in addition to some other things they're dealing with there. Um, so I don't want to, like, take credit away from the Patriots and say they're frauds, but I think, like, they're getting a little too much credit um because again who have they beaten in this stretch like look at this schedule like they're beating like a, a reeling browns team uh they blew out the jets great for them and they crushed them and that's what good teams do to bad teams like mm-hmm. I, i'm looking still for the statement win for mac jones in this patriots team i would say the best one in the streak is probably the 27 24 win over the chargers but we've seen sure. the chargers yeah th- they are are up and down. They are very inconsistent. But I agree with you. Like, the Patriots deserve credit. They've won six in a row. They beat the teams on their schedule. Do I think that they are a juggernaut right now? No, but I think that people look at that team and they say, Mac Jones is competent. He's doing what he needs to. Belichick's defense looks like they are really one of the scarier, more difficult defenses to deal with in the league right now. And I just think a lot of teams in the AFC are going to look and say, you know what? I think I'd rather take my chances with a Cincinnati or an inconsistent Chargers team or a weakened Tennessee team. I don't think people in the AFC want to play the Patriots. So, uh, you know, for regardless of, you know, who they've played, whatever, they're in contention now for the number one seed, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, only Baltimore ahead of them currently. And big game upcoming. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, spoil the look ahead here, but, I mean, you guys are going to have something to talk about with a Monday Night Football matchup between the Patriots and the Bills. I mean, this is kind of uh, a huge game for both sides, really kind of determining, okay, um, are the Patriots, you know, is this their division again? Can the Bills get back into it? Are they just a wild card team? So uh, I have Buffalo all the way down at number 10 in these rankings. So going to be some interesting movement next week, depending on what happens in that game. Let me ask you this at the top of your power rankings. I know the Cardinals were on a bye, mm-hmm. but did you give any thought to putting Green Bay first? Because they didn't just beat the Rams. Mm-hmm. They killed the Rams. I know that LA scored a couple points at the end of the game to make it look closer than it was, but the Packers were mauling them. And to me, that was a massive statement win to go out and play a huge rival or not a rival, but a competitor in the NFC, the big bad Rams, you know, the, the team that was all in, they had that tweet with, uh, what's his name there? John Malkovich splashing the pot. They haven't won a game since then, by the way. But I just thought it was a very impressive win by the Packers. And I know it's like not fair to bump the Cardinals down because they didn't do anything to deserve it. But I just was really impressed by Green Bay. Yeah, I think it's like a 1A, 1B kind of thing right now. And obviously the Packers yep. beat the Cardinals this season uh, in Green Bay. So if you want to put them ahead, you know, that's fine. I think we're kind of splitting hairs a little bit there. I just feel like the cards are in a good spot in terms of they're potentially getting Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins back. Um, I also they get the card they get the shock uh, the Bears this week, so I think it's a nice way to ease back in. And their schedule as a whole, the rest of the season, if you go by strength of schedule, they actually have the second easiest remaining schedule 
in the league now. Mm. Packers have, I think, the third. Um, so both of those teams very much pushing still for the number one seed in the NFC. Um, kind of feels like things are maybe coming together for the Packers in terms of this really, truly being like the last dance season and the, annoy- the annoying Aaron Rodgers uh, <laughs> Packers season that like basically no one except Packers fans, I guess, are really rooting for. Um, but certainly really big. Uh, I, I called it a statement win. I think it's a statement win over the Rams. When we came into this season, I was convinced that the AFC is so much better than the NFC. It's not even close. Look at all the quarterbacks. And then I look at your power rankings, and number one, Cardinals, NFC. Two, Packers, NFC. Three, Bucks, NFC. Like, the podium is filled with NFC teams. Now, there's a few AFC teams after that, but I'm really surprised at the way that has shaken out. You have the Dallas Cowboys at number nine. <laughs> How tempted were you to just tumble them down to the bottom after they lost yet again to the Raiders on Thanksgiving? Oh, I love to see it, Stats. Uh, great way to spend a uh, – I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, seeing them choke once again, not, national audience. Um, now, <laughs> I did say, I have said multiple times, that I feel like the Cowboys, this is their year. But uh, I don't know. After this – Kind of reconsidering because uh, this is a pretty bad loss, I thought, for them. I know, again, they're still missing some people. But, and, uh, you know, everyone's going to talk about the penalties. Like, all right, still, you you have to find a way to get it done. The Raiders shouldn't have won that game in terms of, like, they didn't deserve, they didn't play to win. Rich Basaccia did not play to win that game. They were so conservative in a number of spots. Uh, it, it was really frustrating to me. I fully expected the Raiders to blow that game and the Cowboys get a gift, um, but but they didn't take advantage of it. And now, you know, Dallas is in a bad spot in terms of their head coach just tested positive for COVID, among other people. So they're they're facing this turmoil on not exactly a short week because they played on you know last Thursday, but you know it's another Thursday game. I think they've pretty much blown their opportunity to get that one seed, which was looking like it was very possible for them. They're still going to win the mm-hmm. NFC East, especially because the Eagles. We can get to them later. Blue uh, <laughs> game to the Giants, but uh, had the Eagles not lost that game, like the division would be in the balance here. I, I was thinking of you because I was rooting against the Eagles, obviously, for my own selfish reasons with the 49ers in the NFC. But if the Eagles had won, part of me was like kind of looking forward to that because I know you would come on today's show fired up, ready to talk about the NFC East. Uh, obviously, that did not happen. But I agree. The Cowboys, they're scuffling a little bit. They've lost three out of their last four. Now they're going to play a Saints team who's making a quarterback change. Taysom Hill looks like he's going to be the starter. I don't think Taysom Hill is going to be a good quarterback at all. I think that all that talk about him being the next Steve Young by Sean Payton is completely and utterly ridiculous. But I could see, you know, first game really for him as a starting quarterback this year. Dallas doesn't really know what to expect. McCarthy's out. Sean Payton is a good offensive coach. Like, I I could see them taking Dallas down this week. And if they lose again, BLG, then it would be four losses in five games. They'd be seven and five. All of a sudden, you look at the Cowboys, like, instead of being one of the elite teams in the NFC, they're, they're you know, struggling to stay above 500. Yeah, weird vibes in terms of everything that's going on. Now, the Cowboys overcame some of that earlier in the season when they were dealing with like, some absences and injuries and, and weird things. So, Maybe they can do it again, but as the cliche goes, like this is the part of the season where you kind of want to get hot, and they're very much not doing that. There's still time for them, I guess, to turn it on down the stretch, and obviously winning the division is going to get them into the playoffs. Um, but seeding matters. Like getting that number four seed and playing that top wild card team, as opposed to maybe you know uh, getting to play someone like the Vikings or 49ers or Washington football team or whoever. Washington football team, exactly. Yeah, like you would kind of prefer that instead of that, probably that second team uh, in the AFC or the NFC uh, West there. So I think seeding matters a lot, and I think the, Cow- the damage is done kind of almost already for the Cowboys. Dan Quinn is going to be the primary decision maker for the Cowboys uh, because Mike McCarthy is going to be out. That also does not fill me with a lot of confidence if I was a Dallas Cowboy fan. Uh, Speaking of teams that needed to instill some confidence in their fans, the Buffalo Bills. Every time I thought they were getting on track this season, they seemed to have let me down. But here they go. They take care of New Orleans in a huge way on Thanksgiving. You, You said it earlier. Good teams crush really, really bad teams, and the Bills crush the Saints on Thanksgiving. Is your faith renewed in Buffalo? 
Have you ever not like watched a game stats? And obviously the answer to this question is yes, but then like kind of seen, you know, people live tweeting about it and then you check the score and like the score doesn't match up with like the impression of the game. <laughs> because that's kinda kinda happened to me at first for this Bills game before I was checking in. Like I saw some Bills people I follow were like it made it sound like the Bills were like down twenty points. Like they weren't playing <laughs> their sharpest football, at least out of the gate. And ultimately, you know, they got this big win and uh they took advantage of a reeling saints team so you know good for them or good on them for that but it's all about the next game for them like again big big monday night football matchup against the patriots again this is like determining can they actually get the division back or or honestly might they miss the playoffs entirely i don't think that's the most likely thing right now but it's a very competitive afc so you can't rule that out um I think it's all about this next game. I don't really care what they did as much uh, against New Orleans as much as, you know, it's going to be up next for them. Patriots, Bucks, Panthers, Patriots. That's the next four games for the Bills. So this is a little bit of a stretch here. And do you think, see, because I have heard people say like, oh, there's a New England's going to give the feeling of like, oh, here we go again. But I think that's a little bit mitigated because Brady's not there. Like if Brady was still there, then I think that people would be worried about that. But the fact that it's Mac Jones, totally different quarterback, I don't know if the Bills are going to be dealing with those demons. I don't think that they go into that game against New England like, uh-oh, it's the big bad Patriots. I think they look at it honestly like, hey, the Patriots have to play us. What if it's like, though, you know, they lose to Mac Jones and it's like, oh, man, like Brady owned us and now Mac Jones is going to own us too. <laughs> and it's like in their it's in their heads. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely find out a lot more about them Uh I'll definitely feel like I have a firmer grasp on what Sean McDermott is as a head coach because I have been singing his praises before this year, but the the inconsistency that Buffalo has shown has really caused me to question them at times. So we'll see if McDermott can pull it out there for the Bills. Um, All right. Now, I can't not ask you about your Philadelphia Ah. Eagles, BLG. I mean, they had a perfect opportunity to really make some hay in the NFC. They have the Giants coming in who just look absolutely terrible, and they lay a huge eagle-sized egg against New York. What the hell happened? Yeah, I think some people want to talk about how, like, the Eagles were kind of, you know, smelling themselves a little bit, you know, reading their own press clippings, couldn't handle success. It's not really my read on what happened here. Like, they just, they played bad. And I don't think it was because they, like, underestimated the Giants. I think it was just, like, ineptitude. Like, it wasn't about, like, hey, we came out flat. It was like, no, you just, they're just really, they played really bad football. And uh, there was a lot of people being like, oh, the Eagles didn't stick to their script and run the ball early enough in the game. Yes, they did. Well, earlier on, there were some drives um, where, and I think you kind of saw the loss of Jordan Howard. I think it's like, first of all, I think it's in a bad spot when like Jordan Howard being out is like really impacting your offense. But I think there was some (laughs) truth to it in that like Jordan Howard can get the tough yards. He's not going to, you know, break a 40 yard play or like 60 whatever yard touchdown, but he's going to keep you on schedule. He's going to grind out five yards, four yards and keep the offense moving. He's going to keep you out of second and long, third and long, which the Eagles were getting to early on. Then you have to pass at that point. And like, I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts has done some nice things recently, but in this four-game stretch stats before week 12, Jalen Hurts was averaging 19.5 pass attempts per game. 19.5. Is that sustainable? No, because the like the team that averages the fewest attempts per game in the NFL, uh, which is Chicago, I believe, currently, they're like at 29. If you look at the team, wow. like that teams like their average passing attempt, like the, the average team, it's like 35 times per game. Jalen Hurts had to throw the ball 31 times in this game. So like still less than average. It's not like they're asking the world of him. And he was abysmal. I mean, he turned the ball over three times, obviously. Um, now, did he have some touchdowns dropped in there, including Jalen Rager at the end of the game? Sure. <laughs> but he also had another pick on that final drive uh, dropped. So you can't just, you know, ignore that as well. And mm-hmm. we're talking about like a, a passer rating of 15 point whatever it was like come on like that's just not good enough it doesn't mean like Jalen Hurts definitely can't be the franchise quarterback but I just think when you can't have a reliable passing game and you have to be one-dimensional uh like that's just not going to cut it in the NFL long term so uh pretty disappointing to see and definitely at the very least like a big stock down game for Jalen Hurts and and it's a big blown opportunity stats 
four turnovers. The Giants had four turnovers. The Giants scored zero points off of those. So that's another thing. I don't want to hear that like Jalen Hurts had the Eagles in this game at the end of it. Because he didn't. The Giants had the Eagles in the end of the game. Because they scored zero <laughs> points off of four right. turnovers, which is like impossible to do. Like, How do you not at least get a field goal? And if they do get a field goal, then it's not a one-score game at the end. It's, it's you know nine points or whatever instead of six. So I know Jalen Hurts had that throw and whatever. But like, come on, man. That's terrible. You lost to a Giants team when you had a chance to make a run at the NFC East and you blew it. How do you run the ball for more than 200 yards in a game and lose the time of possession? I don't think I've ever seen that. You run the ball for 208 yards, 33 rushing attempts, 6.3 yards per carry. Like that had been the game winning script for the Eagles. You know, I think it's like what, four straight games now? They have at least 175 yards rushing. And you only score seven points? That is hideously, hideously bad. It's just a huge, huge disappointment. I feel bad for Jalen Hurts because I feel like we sort of like decide week to week whether or not he can be their starter long term. Well, he earned all the criticism this week. Terrible job in a big spot against a division opponent. And, you know, I was starting to believe that maybe the Eagles could sneak into the playoffs. But now, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. It's still possible because, um, again, they have this really easy schedule. It's like one of the easiest schedules down the stretch. They play the Jets this weekend. I think there's a good chance they can get back on track and give themselves a chance. But like you said, it like Washington won, the 49ers won. So, you know, there's competition for these final spots here in the NFC playoff picture. And you know, the division, I think, again, is basically over at this point when it didn't have to be. Um, so it's really disappointing. I can't get over the four turnover thing. Like, four tur- <laughs> like the Giants scored zero points off of four turnovers, and you still lost. And, like, the Giants, too, a team in to- total turmoil. Like, before the game, it's coming out that like, Dave Gettleman's not going to be back, which he shouldn't be. But like That was the best news for the Giants. Yeah, it was great for them. And, like, the Giants just did not play well at all. And I'm not trying to, like, like take away. Like, they, they won, so good for them. But, like, it, to me, it's just more, a bit more about how the Eagles lost this and how pathetic of a loss it was, given the context and everything. Um, I know the Eagles haven't been good this year, but, like, there's just there's no good excuse for them to lose that game. And they lost it. So, they suck. <laughs> By the way, speaking of sucking, Saquon Barkley, like, oh, yeah. I don't know if people realize this. He Kate stinks. did a good job pointing this out on Monday Football Monday. He's not a good player. Like, he's not a good player player 13 carries 40 yards he had a 32 yard rush which mm-hmm. means he had 12 other carries for eight yards in the game i know he can make the home run play sometimes but he can't make the easy consistent four or five yard runs that you need to be a good running back like that is one of the worst draft picks of all time and it's part of the reason gettleman's not going to be back that's not hindsight either like everyone said a right. lot of people said that in the moment like what are you doing taking a running back at number two overall especially I think people forget about this because remember that was the draft the Jets traded up to get Sam Darnold and they gave up what like uh, multiple second round picks or whatever it was yes the Colts like the Giants probably could have gotten an offer like that like you could have done that instead of taking a running back at number two and the Giants could have really used those draft picks like they're a roster that really needed those extra uh you know assets to kind of build with so yeah just a just a disaster and uh definitely good news for the giants that gentlemen will not be back i mean not only that even if they kept the pick bradley chubb sure quentin nelson josh allen when they desperately needed a quarterback minka fitzpatrick vita Ve- like anybody else in the top <laughs> 10 that was picked basically would have been a better choice than the choice that they made but yeah like you said that's part of the reason gentlemen is going to be gone okay let's get into our mvp and lvp points of the week uh i will go first with my first mvp since i have two of them Hmm. we talked about it a little bit but i reluctantly have to give it to aaron Rodgers. wow you know i feel like he is having the opposite season of russell wilson you know they both basically wanted out this offseason they both criticized the teams that they were on and Rodgers has come back, and instead of making a big show about how everything was good between him and the head coach and all that, like Russ did with Pete Carroll, Rodgers just went back to work. He's got the Packers winning. He's playing well, even when he's hurt. I mean, he's got a busted toe, and he's still pulling away a handoff and running and basically beating J- Jalen Ramsey to the goal line for a touchdown. Like, he's rolling right now. He has not lost two straight games with Matt LaFleur as a head coach. They never get bogged down. They might lose here and there, but they never drive into the pothole and just derail their season. So I hate to do it because I can't stand him, 
but he's really freaking good, and Aaron Rodgers gets my MVP point this week. I want to hear your other one because I have two consideration for mine, and uh, I don't want to double up necessarily. All right. Uh, this might be a little homer in me, okay. but I'm going to give it to Kendrick Bourne, former 49er Kendrick Bourne for the New England Patriots. Five catches, 61 yards, two touchdowns, had a 41-yarder. Some people, RJ Ochoa, yeah. laughed at me when I praised the New England Patriots for signing Kendrick Bourne. And I said at the time, he's not a stud, like, number one wide receiver, but he's a really, really good player. He fits that, like, Patriots mold to me. Smart player, can can make plays after the catch, is a good red zone target, exactly the kind of player that New England usually finds and gets the most out of. I just think he's been a good fit and – he gets my MVP point this week. Two touchdowns in a big win for New England. Bad week for RJ. Kendrick Bourne thriving. Uh, Cowboys <laughs> losing. Just devastating. It's rough. Um, obviously, RJ did uh, have a son. So congrats to him on that. That is that is very good. But uh, everything yes. else in the football world, really bad. Um, so I was between two for my sole MVP. And uh, you already kind of talked about the uh, achievements of Patrick Sertan, the second. Uh, I considered him. Uh, but I think I'm ultimately going to go with someone who I, I think we've been all been hard on. You talked about this again on Monday Football Monday, so I'm not going to you know beat it to death. But Tua, I mean Tua Tungavailoa has the Dolphins in an interesting spot. Um, he's come back from some adversity, you know, after being banged up and everything, and coming into that Ravens game and helping helping be a part of that comeback. And he's played pretty well since. And it's not like the Dolphins have been playing you know world beaters here, but. Uh, you know, I think we have to give Tua some credit. I think he's, he's developing. I think he's putting himself in a position where it's not like he's definitely not the guy and the Dolphins are 100% going to, you know, trade all their picks, whatever, for Deshaun Watson or, or Russell Wilson or whoever becomes available in the offseason. So I want to give some credit, credit to Tua here. The Dolphins still have work to do in terms of you know getting into a wild card spot, but they're not they're not out of it. Like they're and they're playing meaningful December football now after things look terrible and like totally like a lost season early in the year. And it's frustrating to watch as someone who roots for the Eagles because now that pick <laughs> is in jeopardy, very much in jeopardy, I believe, of falling out of the top ten with the Dolphins having some very winnable games coming up. Like they get the Jets again, they get the Giants, they get the Saints. So uh, Dolphins, you know, might not be able to make the playoffs, but they're going to make it close or at least a little interesting down here. And I think Tua deserves some credit. I agree. Um, I think that from his perspective, he's got to be like, hey, just believe in me, right? Like you picked me, make me the guy and I'll get you where you want to go. I actually saw a tweet. Was it from you, BLG? I can't remember this morning about the current draft order yes. in the NFL. And it's so weird because you've basically got the Giants, the Jets, and the Eagles uh, with all consecutive picks, like six straight picks, and each team gets two in a row there. It's just weird the way it's laid out right now. But Miami could make a little run. They got the Giants next, then the Jets, then they're at the Saints. They could win all three of those games, which would put them at 8-7 and seven on the year in the thick of it in the AFC. So that's a good pick by you. So uh, why don't we get to – well, no, we'll get to my first LVP because there's, syner there's synergy here. There's part of – also part of the reason why I picked <laughs> Tua because for my LVP, I'm going to pick the guy who Tua once replaced at Alabama, and that is Mr. Jalen Hurts, who, again, was just downright <laughs> dreadful as a passer against – like the Giants' passing defense is also not great stats. Uh, like – they were missing both of their starting safeties and two of their starting quarterbacks went down in the game. And Jalen Hurts completed 45.2% of his passes for 129 yards, 4.2 average, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, and a 17.5 passer rating. That is really, really bad. And uh, again, I don't think one game like this necessarily means he cannot be the guy. But I think Jalen Hurts has not had enough stock up performances this season to really solidify him as that guy. I think he, I said all along he kind of needed to make it clear. Now, the Eagles kind of might just be stuck with him by default in terms of a lack of options this offseason. We'll see. Still a lot, of, you know, there's still a season for Jalen Hurts to kind of prove he is the guy. And there's, you know, there's still time, is the point. But this was terrible. This is like a really freaking bad loss. 
and Jalen Hurts played a huge role in it, so LVP point for him. I totally get it. Uh, it's always frustrating, especially to lose like that. I do wonder, and I talked about this a little on Monday, Football Monday, like if Jalen Rager catches that ball, right, and they score, what are we saying about Jalen Hurts? Well, you know, he struggled in the game, but when the chips were down, he found a way to drive down the field and stick it in the end zone. That's a that's what winners do, BLD. <laughs> like, I feel like that one play, if you change nothing about what Hurts himself did on that play – people are going to be saying a lot more different things about him. It's true, but I hate it. Because, again, it wasn't like they weren't <laughs> in the game because of Jalen Hurts. They were in the game because the Giants scored zero points off of four takeaways, which, again, is, like, impossible to do. Like, that's so hard to do. Like, that's really, really crazy. That the, And it just speaks to the Giants being awful. It wasn't about Jalen yeah. Hurts keeping them in the game. It was about the Giants keeping them in the game. That's so, fair. who's your LVP? This is kind of an easy one, um, but... It's pretty obvious. Cam Newton is yeah. hideous. Hideously bad. Like, not just, oh, you know, he's struggling. He's not a starter anymore. Like, should not be in the league anymore bad. He was pulled in the fourth quarter. He was 5 of 21, BLG, for 92 yards and two interceptions. His quarterback rating was 5.8. <laughs> 5.8. My son is seven years old, and Cam Newton had a quarterback rating lower than his age. Wow. And I know he ran it in for a touchdown, and that's great. And then he gave the ball to the fan. I don't give a crap, okay? That is pathetically bad. Like, that's a Tim Tebow kind of a line there from Cam Newton. There's a reason, like you said, that he was on the scrap heap and nobody wanted him. And it was pathetic that the Panthers picked him up to try and do that. Like, just let P.J. Walker play. Just let him play. He can't complete five passes in a game? Give me a break. Like, there's just no... The Panthers are just so rudderless, and it just, like, Cam Newton encapsulates everything that's wrong with them. Yeah, they're just making a ton of terrible decisions. Like, they're just wasting all this money on and resources on on really bad quarterbacks. And with Cam, like, I get why they brought him back because Darnold's hurt or whatever, but, like, he, he's just done. Like, and we're saying this before they signed him. Uh, I saw him in training camp this summer when the Patriots came to practice against the Eagles, and I just saw it there. Like he was like he couldn't throw. Like uh, Kayvon Wallace, <laughs> like backup Eagle safety, called him the checkdown king, and everyone kind of laughed at that when Cam had a good preseason game against the Eagles. But like whatever, you know, it's the preseason. Who cares? Like in the mm-hmm. practices where uh, things were a little bit more intense, uh, like just. He couldn't throw the ball. And, uh, yeah, I, I just – Cam has been done for a while now. That image has been clear, and he's not turning it around in Carolina as they flounder and, you know, fall after looking like, oh, maybe, maybe they'll do something early in the season because they get out to this, what, 3-0 start or whatever? But, no, uh, not going anywhere. My final LVP point stats, I could give it to Lamar Jackson, who we get accused of hating on the show and <laughs> threw four interceptions. Still one, of course. Uh, to the Ravens' credit, because as you said, they always seem to find a way to win. Mm-hmm. I will point out that Lamar Jackson has seven touchdowns to nine interceptions in the Ravens' what past four games now, and like pass rating in the seventies, so not great. But it's not Lamar; it's Jalen Rager. How could it not be? <laughs> like that is oh, two Eagles he went with. I mean, how could it not be? This is a terrible loss. This is Jalen Rager's. You, you talked about stats, like you know, what would people be saying? If Jalen Rager, you know, caught that ball uh, about Jalen Hurts, what would people be saying about Jalen Rager? There's been a huge bust to this point in his career. Everyone is catching on to that stat, um, which has kind of been like circulating in Eagles Twitter for a bit now, but has now like gone national about Jalen Rager having a 55-yard reception in his first game against Washington football team in week one of 2020. And then since then, never passing 55 yards That's in a crazy. game. Like, he is so bad, man. He's, he's legitimately one of the worst wide receivers in the NFL. This comes from at Paul Hembo on Twitter. Jill Rager this oh, season. Oh, Hembo. Yeah. Uh, he ranks among six. This is These are the rankings among 63 wide receivers with at least 200 routes run. 56% catch rate. That's 58th. 0.7 yards per route run. That's 61st out of 63. 4.5 yards per target. That's 62nd, second to last. And then 8.0 yards per reception. That's like a running back number. And it's 63rd. It's dead last out of every receiver. He stinks. The Eagles have somehow found a more frustrating and worse version of Nelson Aguilar. Uh, like, he's he's terrible, man. He's really bad. I Like, this is who he was in training camp. Like, 
or at least he was invisible. And people went crazy because they saw these one-handed catches that the Eagles were putting out there on social media. I was saying all along, like, I don't give a crap about those. Those are like nice catches in one-on-one drills. That doesn't mean anything if he's doing nothing in team settings, which is like actual football and not just like in an athletic competition or something. And he's not even good as a punt returner or a kick returner either. Like just everything is bad about Jalen Rager. It is such a disaster stats that the Eagles took him over Justin Jefferson. And that's not Jalen Rager's fault. I'm not blaming him for that. But that is very much as Howie Roseman's fault. So I almost want to give him the LVP. Because, um, like, that is such a catastrophic mistake. And it's not hindsight stats. No one is, like, perfect when it comes to the draft. But, like, this was so clear. Everyone at the time was like, what are you doing? Jill- Justin Jefferson checked every single freaking box you could want. Like, young, uh, athletic, tested well elite production at the SEC for a national championship. Like, how could you overthink this? And it's really frustrating because the hubris of the Eagles to be like, no, we know better, even though they've never drafted a wide receiver. But we we know this time. We know Justin Jefferson definitely isn't as good as Jalen Rager. Like, that is so disgusting. The hubris of that move, <laughs> it, it just reeks of that hubris. And it's really annoying, too, because I don't even think – the Eagles like internally evaluate that as a miss for them because the way it's been leaked is that like, Oh, it was the coaching staff who wanted Jalen Riker. It wasn't the front office. Well, guess what? Like the front office made the pick at the end of the day and the coaching staff isn't here anymore. Doug Peterson got fired in part because he wanted to pick his own coaches. So the guy that you wouldn't even let pick his own coaches somehow is responsible for like one of the worst draft misses. Like he had the power to do that. Like it's, it stinks. It's a, it's a mistake. That's not just like, Oh, that's a bad thing. You can overcome it. No, like it's a huge deal when you take Justin Jefferson or you take Jalen Rager instead of Justin Jefferson. So uh, it's not just Jalen Rager's fault, but uh, he is certainly really bad. And it stinks because the Eagles don't really have any like options to like bench him for, and they're just going to keep playing him and he's going to keep being bad. But here we are. <laughs> you know, I'm not against the team necessarily saying, hey, we've studied these guys. We think we know who the best person is. We've talked to these guys. And we're going to make this pick and we don't care what the consensus is. That's fine. You know, good for the team for doing it. But here's the thing. You got to be right. Especially when you're picking a guy at a position in the 2020 draft that was absolutely loaded. And you don't even need to necessarily get the best guy out of that group. But you can't pick the dud. You can't pick the worst one. And just look at the receivers that were there. Justin Jefferson. Yeah, that's obviously the biggest one. But the Eagles would be much better off with Brandon Ayuk. They'd be much better off with T. Higgins or Michael Pittman, guys that were drafted after Jalen Rager. So it's not just that Jalen Rager's not as good as Justin Jefferson. It's that he's not good, period. That's the crushing thing for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I agree with you. Like To, to deflect responsibility and put this on the coaching staff, like you're the front office. Your main job is picking players. So you can't deflect it to anybody else, especially then when you then get rid of those guys shortly after that. So terrible job by the Eagles. I saw that uh, Nick Sirianni said that he's going to keep playing Jalen Rager because that's what's best for the team. So brace yourself for more of that. Um, And I think it's also part of the reason that the Eagles had to spend the pick on Devontae Smith. like Because you missed on Jalen Rager. There is a cost there when you miss on these draft picks. Absolutely. Not only had to, you know, take him, but like trade up for him. When if you, you know, you, you got Justin Jefferson last year, maybe you could have just, you know, sat tight and gotten Sertan or whatever, or, you know, Micah Parsons, whatever, you know, you, something different. Um, but yeah, that's absolutely what happens. Like mistakes beget mistakes in the NFL yes. when you're like doing that. And uh, that's exactly. By the way, how, uh, how do you like this? I love the fact that Devontae Smith came off the field and was yes. like, hey, I want the ball on the final drive. Give oh, it to dude. me now. Terrible job by the Eagles to not get him the ball, but I absolutely love that he was like, my team needs me in a big spot. I'm not going to second-guess it after this. Like, I'm telling you now, give me the ball. I love that from him. That is not, like, fake tough guy to me, especially knowing Devontae's personality. That is, like, he's a number one wide receiver, and he knows that. And, like, he's like, get me the ball. I am the number one wide receiver. It doesn't matter if I'm covered. That's a big issue I had with this game. Like, stats, Jalen Rager got seven targets. Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith combined for seven targets. Like, what are you doing? And it's not like, I don't want to hear like, oh, uh, you can't force the ball to them. Like, what are you talking about? Yes, you can. And 
like Jalen Hurts attempted more tight window throws in this game than he did in his career. So it wasn't like he was throwing to other guys who were lesser, who were open. Who were like, wide open. Yeah, he was still right. throwing contested passes. Hey, maybe throw contested passes to the good players instead of the really bad ones. Like, <laughs> I just don't get that at all. It's pathetic. I think that goes on Hurts. That goes on Sirianni. It's just unacceptable for your best receiver and your best tight end. Um, to your two best receiving options, like by far, to only get seven targets out of a quarterback who who threw thirty one passes. It's it's inexcu- It's terrible. It's a terrible way to end a game. Like you didn't go down with it, like fighting. You didn't give yourself the best chance. You you overthought it. Right. If you give the ball to Steph Curry in the final second and he shoots a jumper and he misses, you live with sure. that. But if it's you know Rob Guerrero taking that jumper <laughs> in the same spot, you feel pretty bad. Uh, Bill Belichick kind of made a centerpiece of his teams when the Patriots were in their heyday with Brady that basically the one thing we're not going to do is lose a game. Other teams find ways to lose a game either through coaching decisions or bad play on the field. We're not going to do that. And like that is a losing game plan by the Eagles, like you said, to not get the ball in the hands of their best players. And stunner, they lost the game. That's going to do it for this edition of the Off-Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. We remind you again, please rate, review, and follow the SB Nation NFL show. If you like us and you want to support us, leaving a rating and a review is the absolute best thing you can do for us. If you take the time to write it, I promise you we will take the time to read it on the show. BOG, try to have a good week this week. I know it's hard when your team is losing. Just try to have a nice week. Maybe things will get better next week. Like you said, the Eagles schedule is a little soft. You know, let's let's be positive here. If they can't beat the Jets, I have to throw the Eagles in the pit of misery. It's going to be oh, automatic. Oh, a lot on the line yeah. for Philly next week. We didn't even talk about my Niners, by the way. We can. It's okay. We'll just keep winning. That's fine. You don't want to talk about us. You don't want to give us any respect. <laughs> it's fine. You know, I'm, I'm going to be a professional here and go about my business. Uh, but Wait, who did they beat again? What, who, what's the name of the quarterback they beat, by the way? Who's so Kirk good? Cousins. Oh, okay. Interesting. Oh, see, yeah, he's been waiting all season to get that <laughs> in. All right. You know what? No, forget it. I'm not closing out the show until we talk about this then. <laughs> Kirk Cousins, for the like the one time this season, drove down the field and couldn't get it done in a mm, big spot. And all I got shocker. BLG chirping, sending plays <laughs> from like six years ago into my Slack feed. You're such a jerk. <laughs> I am right. I mean, that. what can I say? Kirk Cousins, not the guy. Would never want to bet on that guy. But uh, you and RJ do, so good for you, I guess. What a disaster of a look by the Vikings. It's fourth down. They're going for it. And Kirk Cousins has to get Justin Jefferson lined up because he didn't know where the hell he was supposed to line up. And the play clock is running down, so Cousins kind of panics a little bit, and he lines up under the guard instead of the center. So they couldn't snap the ball and had to call timeout. But then they come out of the timeout, too, and their fourth down play that they ran was not very good. Just It was not a good offensive day for the Vikings against the 49ers. Credit to the Niners, yay. Uh, I'm still on the Kirk train. I still think he's better than you think. Like, we're in this world where quarterbacks are either elite or they're terrible. Mm. He's not terrible. He's a he's a B-plus, A-minus quarterback who occasionally looks like a C-minus quarterback. All right, that's the show. <laughs> Enjoy your week, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.